last week, if you were here, our, our uh, message was week four in pursuit of his presence. Well, this is not the message I didn't do last week because God's presence came, but this is another message. And uh, it was probably a little over two years ago that, um, remember Bob McGregor, when we had the prophetic conference, talked about everything that we're going to see happen in our church is going to come by the powerful presence of God, by rivers of his presence. And if you've been here a while, you know we've been stripped of our men's home and stripped of different, uh, our youth group and everything else. And we're in a really great place for God to do what only he can do. And so when I was thinking about the presence of God, I don't know about you, but being a pastor and, and the whole thing about having churches for you to experience God's presence, last week was like, that was like it. That was the big thing we've been praying for. How many enjoyed the presence of God last week? It was incredible. What do you do after the presence drops like that? You know, it's almost like that thing you're praying for, it happens. It could almost be anticlimactic. But it's the work of God that goes on in the presence that reaffirms what we're doing and what God's doing in our life. When we experience the presence, it's to give us courage to go forward in our life. And uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about Isaac. Some of the scriptures I've given you before, but I, I feel like you're going to see a new, a new thing today because I feel like God's really been uh, showing me some deep things about uh, Jacob. You know, two years ago, I did a men's camp in, um, in uh, Nevada, and I had 21 pages of notes. And going to the depths of Jacob wrestling with God and the transformation that happened as he began to walk with God. And I feel like the message today is going to be so connected too with what God's doing in us as a body, even for people who didn't go to cleansing stream, uh, how he's trying to break us out of the old mindsets and the, the old things. So I want to start in Genesis 28, uh, verses 3 through 5. Isaac passes God's blessing of Abraham to his son Jacob. May God Almighty bless you, Jacob, and make you fruitful and multiply you. The blessings are dependent upon a father. Those of you who have been blessed by a father know the benefits that you've received from him. Those of you that haven't have been blessed by a father live under the shadow and sometimes the lack of not having that father's blessing. But hopefully today, all of us are going to get more connected with God our Father and coming under the blessing of being in his house, being removed from our fathers, whether they are good or bad, but their deficiency compared to being God and being under his covering. So the verses continue, that you may be an assembly of peoples. That blessing was to be a group of peoples who, who were under God's blessing, but also were an example of God's presence and power in their life. Verse 4 says, and give you the blessing of Abraham, to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. Do you ever feel like a stranger in life? That's a good thing if you're a believer and you have Christ. You know, Jacob was like his forefathers. He had come to the place in his growth and his maturity where he was going to have to face life on his own. Jacob grew up knowing, knowing about God and what God had done. Isaac had told him about being on that way up to be part of a sacrifice and realizing he was going to be that sacrifice and then seeing God provide that ram that was caught in the brush that became the sacrifice. And Isaac probably went, Phew, I don't have to die today. So 
he heard these stories. But I would think Jacob did not really know yet how to trust God himself. He hadn't gone from this promise that was just given him into the revelation of experiencing the presence of God, activating the promise, and activating his relationship with God. He lived under the blessing and covering of a godly father. He lived under the blessing of the religious shaping and, uh, and forming that happens being in God, under God, in the house of God, under spiritual discipline. And it can seem and feel like, you know, okay, but sometimes it's hard to really own your own faith and own your own experience of God and be able to get God to move for you or to be able to submit your life and follow and do what God wants you to do. In verse 5, I almost wish this could have been one of our key verses. It's simple. So Isaac sent Jacob away. Godly fathers release their children at the right time for their own spiritual destiny. There's a time of sitting under, waiting, growing, being matured spiritually, growing in wisdom and stature like Jesus in favor with God and man to that place where you are released and, you know, it's the hardest thing if you had kids that you send away to school or whatever, you send them away to get married or whatever. It's kind of a hard thing to see your kids grow up and move away. It's a, uh, it's a mixed blessing. Yeah, you're happy that they're living their life and living their destiny, destiny, especially when they're following God and they have that call of God that they're nurturing and they're letting God be part of their life. But Isaac did that. He sent Jacob away. I believe he knew, because of the prophetic blessing he extended to Jacob, he knew that, that Jacob was going to experience God like he had experienced him. He knew it was no longer going to be a theory, something in textbooks. It was going to be something that Jacob was going to experience on, on his own. Was it going to be easy? No. But God is always with his people. Are you feeling alone today? We've been talking about the presence. God's presence is in you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you ask him to be Lord of your life, he is with you. Even in the greatest difficulties you find yourself today, even in the midst of the greatest problems and opposition, even feeling spiritual opposition, even dealing with your own soul at times, we deal with our own soul. It doesn't want anything to do with God. God doesn't leave us. God doesn't abandon us. Presence causes us to follow. And when we follow, God sends. Sent away means that Jacob had to come into a place where he had to learn to trust God for himself. Being sent breaks codependency. God sent Abraham out of the familiar. A familiar verse, and me, you've heard me use this a few times, and I felt like one that God made prophetically when we were sent out to start a church here is Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we all know, we all experience the blessing of Abraham because it was Jesus Christ was the, was the one, the final blessing that we are all partaking of, salvation in Jesus Christ, a new life, born again, living out life now with God, affecting our, our world, using the gifts, talents, and abilities that God's given us 
to influence the world before we go, that they might know Christ. It's a scary ride to go on to follow Christ. In Genesis 4a, the first part of the verse says, And Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Again, some of us are uh, more enthusiastic, energetic, independent. We love to do things on our own, and to be released is positive. Some of us are like, uh, I like the safety of co- and covering of home. I like the protection of someone else taking the responsibility. I loved, as I look back, being an elder under Ernest than under Steve and Jan. It was safe. It was, it was comfortable. It was like the best of both worlds. But it's different when you take responsibilities under God to be the person God calls you to do, and you're stripped of any comforts from being under of another person. But that's what God was calling And I believe that's what God's trying to say to all of us today. He wants to do something unique in our lives. He wants us to step out of our own comfort zones and our own safety and familiarity and let God be God because he wants to do powerful things in your life and for you. But in getting that place where you step out, where God wants you, we come to know God in in a real way, in real life. Our life gets bigger and our experiences expand. If Isaac had not sent out Jacob, his son, he would not have encountered the presence of the living God. I'm not sure how to do this. Right now, I was looking at before service of of maybe changing gears and and going a different direction. I think I want to kind of do that. Because I feel like I'm supposed to concentrate on leaving your father's house. And I think it really connects also with the cleansing streams that we went through last week, last Saturday, where we started out dealing with rejection. Any places that we were rejected. And you could be rejected, you could even forgive your rejector, but the enemy is good about restoring feelings to us, restoring memories that feed feelings, and then you feel like you're back in the same place where you're under some kind of rejection. Then he also, they had a time where we dealt with... Um, shame where we came out to this place and we realized the things that we were carrying that shamed us experiences things done to us where you know again memories and feelings that connect us to shame and we stood and people prayed and we renounced shame they did this little act where you rinse your hands but then you you put your wet hands and you say i renounce shame and you wipe them over your face where you're wiping away shame saying it's done today I'm dealing with the shame of the past, and I'm no longer under it. And it kind of is connecting with uh, coming out from your father's house. It's so prophetic. I feel like that's the prophetic word today. Leave the house of your father. And when you think of your father, your father is the one that starts your house. Your mother has you, but it's your father that establishes your house. And if your father's connected with God and doing the best he can, you're coming under an incredible blessing and something that's setting you up to know God and to know who you are and to be a victorious person. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to still deal with generational things that are passed down, those sins, those iniquities that are part of generational. You're going to have to deal with them, but it's easier to have a godly covering. And for those of you whose father wasn't there, you still were under a father's establishment of what he did. And I'm telling you today, God wants to remind you that he is now over your house. He's the father over your life. And God wants to keep erasing 
different things that are hindering you and your confidence in God and what God has called you to do and who you are in Jesus Christ and how the Holy Spirit wants to emphasize that strength and the new life that you have. And so he's daring all of us to deal with those things that are affecting the way we think, the way we feel, the way we act. It's so we can trace back to what we received growing up and the input, negative or positive. Where do I go in my notes? Becky, you're going to have to ride with me today because I'm skipping. I think I want to go to, um, I guess, I guess I really don't know, do I? I guess starting with um, the slide six, God's promise of constant presence. Unless we know God is with us, we're not going to be able to hang on because our feelings and our five senses are going to constantly tell us God has left us. You could leave this building today feeling so full of God, or maybe you left last week being so filled of God, but you're, yet you're facing an opposition in the world. You're, you're facing spiritual opposition that you can't see. You're, spe- you're facing your own circumstances that defy the word of God, your prayers, and, and your heart. But you have to stir yourself to believe that God is for me, I am under the blessing of Abraham, and I'm under a greater blessing because now I'm a believer in Christ, and I'm a kingdom person. And the kingdom of God is in me and reigns over me, and the heavens are open to me. And so you go out, and your five senses are going to be assaulted, but your faith is in Christ and that he is with you. And your mind has to come under the, the, that mindset where, you know what, God is with me, and I have to try to just relax and not sweat it because God's going to somehow come through in my life. So Hebrews 13, 5, keep your, uh, keep your lives free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Since God is always with us, Spurgeon said, what can we want besides him? Charles Spurgeon wrote in his notes, here is a promise which has been frequently made He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This promise occurs again and again. The Holy Spirit led the writer of Hebrews to quote the Old Testament, showing God's promise of presence from one generation to the next. I told you, but some of you weren't here maybe when I started this series last month, that I felt like when I went to MFI conference this year in October, I felt like it was about the presence. Yeah, we've been praying for it intensely for almost two years, and when we meet up here with the intercessors on, on Thursday, we are praying for the presence because he said everything that he's going to do in this church in our effect in the community is going to be by a river of his presence. So we're constantly praying for that river. And just feeling like that breaking free last Sunday was like that evidence that God is hearing our prayers and he inhabits the, our praises. And it is his presence that's going to change us and change the world around us. God's presence, <coughs> excuse me, goes with Israel into the promised land. In Deuteronomy 31, 6, be strong and bold. Have no fear or dream or dread of them, those in your promised land, because it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. They would face giants, but the presence would be with them. 
all the way through the Old and New Testament, there's a constant theme where God is saying, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It's a promise that we have to have resonated in our spirit, resonating in our mind and our thinking because we face things that tell us God is not with us. We face diagnosis. We face illness in our bodies that says God is not with me. God is with us. He's in us. He is a healer. He's a restorer. He's a builder up of who we are. And he has a promise for us. And he has a destiny for us. He has a future for us. He has hope for us. It doesn't matter what has come against you. In fact, the, the more things that you have come against you, you ought to sit back and start laughing at the, at, at the devil because something's about to break free in your life. And then Deuteronomy 31.8, just two verses later, God's promise of presence to Joshua. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. You know, the prayer we have on our hearts, you know, we just had a memorial service on Friday for Don Phillips, who who died two weeks ago today. Dory was saying just on Saturday, I bet he's going to go tomorrow. He's going to go on Sunday. And sure enough, he went. On the Lord's Day, he went home after 85 years of serving God with all of his heart. But that generation that Moses was passing the anointing on, the promise of God was going to be with them, was to another generation, was to the Joshua's. And I speak to the young people here today. I tell you, there's a call going out to call people to follow the Lord, to call young people to rise up and to forsake themselves and say, God, what do you want me to do? How will you use me? I tell you, he's going to use your failures and broken dreams and disappointments to ignite a fire in you and a purpose greater than anything this world can offer you. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will, not be, he will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And we know what Joshua went through. He had to go into the land. He had to cross that Jordan River. He had to go across and dispossess those nations. First one, what, out of the gate, first thing, Jericho, excuse me? Impenetrable walls? And here are these poor people who just come out of 40 years of bondage. Now they were warriors and they had to go fight, but they didn't realize God was the one who was going to fight their battle. God wants to encourage you today. You feel like everything in your life has fallen apart and failed? There's hope. You got Jesus. You you have a whole new destiny in store for you. David to Solomon in 1 Chronicles 28.20, David said further to his son Solomon, Be strong and a good courage. Fathers, we've got to keep saying that to our kids. Be of good courage. The things that we've instilled in your life are going to be for a remembrance is because you are going to have to get a hold of God for your family, for your city, for your nation. Courage to act. Do not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Again, look how David's faith, my faith in God, your God, he's passing on that destiny. He's passing on that prophetic thing that this is going on to you and your generation. You have a whole, a whole new future that's unlived yet. You have a whole clean slate that you can live and experience God. Isaiah the prophet takes occasion to celebrate God's presence. In Isaiah 41.10, the Lord says to Isaiah, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. I say that to you, Glendos. 
If this is your on my heart today, our young elders, the Lord is with you. You don't even know what God's anointing wants to do in your life and on you. There's a powerful destiny for all of us. Norma Judy, you're not done yet. You still have breath in your body. You don't know what God's going to do in your life. Jesus continues God's promise in the New Testament. In Matthew 28, 20, before he went to heaven, he talks to his disciples, Remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a promise. Charles Spurgeon said this in his note, The promise of God being his, being his people is a guarantee the greatest good, God with us, means all good for us. What makes us feel God's presence has left? Romans 8, 20, 8, 38 and 39. I am convinced that neither death, death makes us feel like God has left us, life, everyday life, nor angels or rulers. Yeah, what's going on in governments and rulers? But that doesn't separate us from God. What's going on in our world is not separating us from his love. Nor things present. What are you facing right now that's defying that the presence of God is with you, that you have hope, that God's going to do what he promised to you? Nor things to come, nor powers. Looking on to the future, looking on even knowing that we're living in the last days and satanic powers are going to arise. It's going to seem like darkness is going to come over the land. It seems like uh, Christians are going to be marred and it's going to get worse and worse. But that's the darkness before Jesus comes in and said, enough. And he puts Satan in his place. And he sets up his eternal kingdom on this earth. Nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You are loved because of the presence of Jesus. God is love and he lives in you. And that love radiates in your life and he's in you. Even though God and Jesus promise that presence will always be with us in our circumstances, our circumstances can deceive us. Our senses can lie to us. That's one thing I remember them saying at cleansing stream last Saturday. Don't go by your feelings. Those of you who experienced going to that altar, feeling things happen, even for me, you know, I went because I've had so much religion in me. I've had so much routine and religion. I've read the word. Sometimes even saying those things that seemed religious, I did it out of obedience. I felt the change. I felt something happen inside my heart when I confessed certain things, when I said I renounce shame. You know, when the lady read my, uh, you know, read my mail last week, I went up there, the first thing about rejection, I go, nah, I don't feel rejected. She starts addressing things. I go, how do you know? You don't, even, I don't have a badge of telling you that I'm a pastor or anything. She started naming, I go, wow, this lady's prophetic. But, you know, even this week, Dory and I had just some conflicts going on in our roles, being pastors, to, you know, together in the office. And we felt shame about, wow, here we are, wrestling well you know, we're working on a marriage 36 years and we'll be working on it another year i guess you know god's god's <laughs> grace but it's that wrestling it's that wrestling that we go on you know we we see certain things about ourselves and we think oh i just disappointed god i hurt people i might as well give up that's the lie he tells all of us give up no we're gonna give up we're gonna get up we're gonna apologize we're gonna say god help us but we have victory in you. You have done something in us. You have reaffirmed something Saturday in us that set us free and said that we are free. We're not going to go by how he manipulates and uses our own mind and feelings to come against the spirit of God and the willingness of God to work in our life. Oh, Jesus is with us. And listen what he promises. What a guy, Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, you know, in verse 32, 16, 32, he tells them that, you know, 
I'm with God and he's with me and, you know, um, you're going to leave me, but, you know, I'm never alone. He's, God's never going to leave me. And Jesus says, in me, you have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So our confidence is in him who's overcome the world, but now he's returned to live ins- inside of us by the Holy Spirit, bringing God's power and the Holy Spirit. So we have the Godhead living in us. So what could discourage us? What could take away our joy? Because God is with us. Now I have to talk about Joseph a little bit. God's presence in troubles. If anyone went through it, it was Joseph. With us in troubles. Genesis 39, 1 and 2. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain and chief executioner of the royal guard of Egypt, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had bought him, who had brought him down from there. Remember, his brothers were jealous of him, and they sold him. So here he is. He's in that place. But listen to verse 2. That's pretty heavy duty. To be rejected by your brothers, so he's dealing with rejection. He lost his place. Now he's a slave. So he went from being his father's, one of his father's favorites, to now he's a slave, away from his home, away from everything familiar, everything comfortable. And God says this, but the Lord was with Joseph. Excuse me, God, how can I come from here to being a slave? I'm sure he had to deal with human feelings and his own senses saying, where are you, God? I don't like my circumstance. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he, though a slave, was a successful and prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, blessed even under an ungodly authority. You know, sometimes we don't like where we God has us. Even if you find yourself under an ungodly authority right now, rest under Jesus. He is doing something. He's percolating something with who you're under. Stay under that person. Let them become a covering because God is your ultimate covering. And look beyond what you're seeing in that person that's over you. We can be oppressed even with the Lord's presence. You can go through times of oppression even being under the Lord's presence. Don't get discouraged. doesn't mean God's left. Success does not look the same as it does with the Lord. There's success with the Lord even when it seems like you're not successful. Now Joseph in false imprisonment. We know that Potiphar's wife lied about him, so he's now in jail. Genesis 39, 20, and 21. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the state prisoners were confined. So he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and loving kindness and gave him favor in the sight of the warden of the prison. Again, blessing comes on through another. Satan thinks he's trying to mess him up. People are, think they're getting advantage of him and you know, doing bad by him, but God's favor continues with him. He starts blessing him in prison. Here's what I like. He's dealing with real-life situations just like we do. This is verse 40, I mean, chapter 40, verse 14. Joseph is very frustrated in prison. He's interpreted the butler's dreams, and he tells that butler this. Joseph says to Potiphar's butler, but think of me, when it shall be well with you and show kindness, I beg you to me. And mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Get me out of this prison. You know, he gives him that dream. He gets restored to his place where he's the cupbearer again for the king. But he tells him, when you get in that place, remember, I'm the one that interpreted your dream. Still, is, is he 
not he's got God's presence on him, but he has human frustrations. I don't like where I'm at. I want to get out of jail. Isn't that so related to us? If you're with me, God, why don't you change things up? And it's just that reality. It's almost like God loves seeing us in this thing that defies we're going to change or have the freedom. And yet God is behind the scenes orchestrating a major deliverance and a major freedom for us. Again, I mentioned a little bit about fathers. Is this, again, I think I want to connect it with cleansing schemes. Fathers are house builders. Good and bad. Some of your fathers were present and they weren't good. Some of your fathers were absent. They start family units. They're to be places of godly influence for sending. All about your life was to get you to this place to send you out. And some of you can testify. I've heard some of your testimonies like, man, my father wasn't there. I had nothing from my house of origin. I'm dealing with stuff of my origin right now. And that father can be connected even with your mother that influences that our parents, because they become one, affect us. And I want to let you know that there's hope that God's doing something in his spirit to set you free from those things that you feel like they're still hanging on and I just can't seem to shake it off me. I feel like this was that word for us today that God wants to break something. Genesis 41, 51. And Joseph called the firstborn son Manasseh, meaning making to forget. For God said, he has made me forget, and this is the key part of the verse, all my toil and hardship and all my father's house. So there was something that came on Joseph after 13 years of suffering, and then he brought Egypt into that place of, because of interpreting the dreams, where there was the provision made for the seven years of famine. And so he had risen to that place of power because God had been with him and submitted him through all things, and yet he had that prophetic presence on him, which we need as believers. That prophetic presence is what's going to help us walk in the presence of God and bring the presence of God into our situations, into how we should pray, into the revelations that come to us, into how we speak into situations. That prophetic presence is what broke him out of the prison because God was with him, but he was working deeply spiritually because he saw that plan that Joseph was going to be the one to bring salvation and healing both to Egypt and to his family. And so he saw that God made him to forget all the toil and hardship and all his father's house. And it is a progression of our life in Christ that keeps dealing with different aspects of what our fathers have left us and the lack that they've provided for us and the frustrations that have incurred upon us and how we find ourselves sometimes doing the very things that we hated that were example to us. And yet we can take hope today that it is God renewing and changing us by the power of his Holy Spirit. God is always moving us from our earthly father's house to his. And I saw that this week, last week too, is going into cleansing streams. I saw that guy by going forward sometimes and, and just, just putting myself out there, even though my mind was saying, oh, Bruce, you've done this, you've heard this. Just sit there. And I would get up. Especially the one about shame. They say, oh, brother, I do not want to have some guy pour water over my hands and then take my glasses off and I'm wiping water all over my face. Girls, they made, made a comment, poor girls, don't worry about your makeup. It's going to be all runny and saggy. I didn't have to worry about that. Obviously, I got old person's makeup on. <laughs> but to do that and then to feel like God did something in my heart, you know, God is erasing the strongholds in us 
because of the Holy Spirit working in our life. He's actively progressing us, moving us forward from those things we think, am I ever going to be free from this? Yes, there's continued victory through the Lord Jesus Christ that we're coming away from the things that happened to us from where we were covered or uncovered. It's interesting that Mark and uh, I think it was um, Matthew connect with the same thing, moving from home. In Mark 10, 28 through 30, Jesus had been talking about counting the cost and you know what have you given up and you have to give things up to follow the Lord, to create a different house. And Peter spoke up to Jesus, saying to Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus implied, no one has left home. And this is the key thing. I believe God wants to do more work in us today. There's some of you, you've got to leave home. You've got to leave home. Some of you are scared to leave home. Some of you are getting prepared to leave home someday. And you have to know that God is going to be with you. That yes, it's going to seem scary, but you are going to go on the ride of your life. It was the scariest thing for me and Dory to come down here, sell our house, leave our church family and friends. Thankfully, the Phillips came with us and a few other people. But it was scary to leave what's familiar to follow God. And I tell you, some of you, God is going to call to leave something to follow him. And it's going to be scary, but I tell you, it's going to be something that you're going to say, I am so glad I went in this ride. God, I didn't trust you. I'm a little mad at you. I was time where I was angry at God when I, when I had to leave, when I had to get kicked out of the home. But he says, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or feels for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, like because we're together, I tell you, you have had, who have had broken homes and absentee fathers, you're going to know the Father's love. You're going to know friends and family. You're going to know uh, leaving rejection and abandonment and abuse to know God loves you and he's with you and he cares about you. And you're going to find a home where you haven't had home. You're going to have brothers and sisters who are true brothers and sisters, mothers who will wrap their arms around you and love you, maybe where your mom was not able to. Feels along with persecution. Ah, okay, we're still going to have persecutions. I think sometimes as Christians, we always expect to have this, ah, everything is great. I know I hear people even who have finally got retired, they still deal with aches, pains, problems, uh, bills, everything. You know, sometimes we're hoping to get to this place when we get there. It's not what we hoped it would be because we're only temporary residents here. But it's having the presence of God and knowing we're going to be persecuted for believing in God. And in the age to come, have eternal life. We have eternal life to come. It's still the best thing out there. If Paul said that nothing's going to compare to heaven and, and that reality, we know it's going to be good. My next set of scriptures, Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. I love it because I'm on page 8. I'm on my last page. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. See, Jesus rose up to pay for our sins so he could establish a safe house for us, so we could come under a safe dad, so we could have God, a safe mom and dad, who would bring healing to us, and answer the aching questions of why we went through what we went through. 
Why did you allow that, God? You're so loving. You're so caring. You're such a good God. Why did we, al- why did we go through this? Because Satan is the God of this world, and he took this world from God by stealing Adam and Eve through their disobedience. But because he cared about us so much, he set up a plan right away to send Jesus to die, to, to bring us back in, so he could give us free will again to make our own choices. God, you weren't thinking. You should have made us all robots. Then it would have all been fine and perfect. But no, he wants us to love him and serve him because we keep making choices. Even when everything against us, and Satan is right behind saying, why don't you just reject God? Why don't you just hate God? There's something deep in our heart. It's in our spirit. It's Jesus that says, no, somewhere beyond what I can see and feel, there's a realness that it's worth waiting on God and serving God and returning to God when I understand what I'm going through. Verse 3 says, Jesus has been found worthy of a greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has a greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. God is in the process right now of rebuilding our life. Just like Jerry said, that we're always dealing with issues. Yes, I, I wish to say we get rid of our issues and go on, but every time we deal with an issue, there's another level of freedom that comes through and comes from it. Moses was faithful in verse 5 as a servant in God, all of God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firm to the confidence and the hope in which we have glory. I want to open the altars up, and if you want prayer, come on this side and just begin to People will pray with you. If you feel like you have some things that you want to come out from under of your father's house, let God work. If you just want to kind of meet God on your own, maybe you want to move forward, even from some cleansing stream stuff. Maybe this week and uh, the enemies come and try to tell you everything that you got free from is it's not happening anymore, or, or somehow it, it you lost it. Well, but Satan's always going to come back and lie to you and try to reestablish territory that he's been kicked out of. He's a liar. And he's looking for a good home, and you must be a good home if he wants to move back in. So keep him cleared out. Keep the eviction sign on the door. Keep him heading down the road. So if you just want to pray on your own, come. Come and pray. And I think some of you, maybe you're dealing with that call of God in your life. And he's saying, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Maybe you come to the end of your, your dreams and your hopes, and you're at a place where you know, sometimes when we're at that place, it's easy to say, okay, God, you can have my life. And if you're in that place, let God deal with you today. Come right now. I don't know if we're going to do live music or whatever, but... Can, can I just share oh, a thought? Go ahead. I just want to share a thought about this whole thing of leaving your father's house. I just feel it's very important to understand this concept. I feel like right now so many people are in transitions and... Um, Bruce didn't leave his father's house till he was 29 years old, okay? And I think it's important to understand this thing about leaving your father's house. That doesn't mean if you're an adult living with your parent, you're, you know, you go home today and you're packing your bags, yeah. okay? That's, this, that's not the, the, the message of this message. The message is the negative things that we take with us from our family of origins need to be left Sometimes God might, as an adult, bring you home to deal with home, to deal with things, uh, to release you from your home. Sometimes he brings you home. And so I just want to bring some clarity to that because I feel like it's very 
important for all of us to understand. To leave your father's home is really to leave the generational bondage that some of us have experienced in our father's home. Even growing up in a Christian home, you can have things that you take that God wants to set you free, free from. And so I just think that there's a time where you almost come home before you can truly transition into what he wants home to be like for you as you move forward into the things of God. I just feel like that was a, a moment of clarity. Yeah, and some, then some of you young people, I, I think of, you know, you, you gentlemen over here. I don't want to name all your names, but <laughs> I, I think of you guys. And I think, yeah, I'm, you're doing you're doing the religious thing, but I tell you, the older you get, yeah. there's something wants to break yeah. into your life that's yeah. you and Jesus. Yeah. That's He's a real deal. Yeah. And I think there's words. I remember even words I heard from my parents growing up who were Christians that stuck with me, and they were they were the wrong words. They were words that brought shame and guilt and condemnation and hopelessness. But it was like, on your own, when you leave your father's house, and part of that is even your age where you're at. You're, you're beginning to leave your father's house. You're, you're getting ready for that adult journey, but don't think you're going to leave God. And I, I remember there's a time in my life, and it was about six months, I thought, you know what? I've done the church thing. Maybe I'm just going to drop out of church for a while. I think I could only do it six months, and I was back in church again. But as a young person, you know, facing life on my own, even though I lived at my parents' house till I was 29, I began to get out of my father's house. I began to do things differently. I began to seek God for my adult problems and for, you know, what, are, what am I going to do for a living? Who am I going to marry someday? And those are the things where you start owning your life for yourself. Come on, the altars are open. We've got 12 minutes left. Take advantage of it. It doesn't take a long time, but enjoy it.